evaluating everything we see happening around us through the lens of Scripture, next on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Well, some of the events of 2020 will no doubt go down in the history books. We sure have been through a lot, haven't we? And it would be easy for us to get down and discouraged. But today, we'd like to lift your eyes up to what God is doing in the midst of it all. Doing so will give you a whole different perspective. Everything is going according to plan, and God's not surprised or caught off guard. Today on Abounding Grace, we continue our series, Understanding the Times, which is helping us gain God's perspective at a time we desperately need it. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. Open your Bibles, would you, to Daniel chapter 12 and Matthew chapter 24 in a Bible study that we've entitled, Understanding the Times, Part 3. Because with all the events happening around us, with everything that we're watching and experiencing, it's good to come to God's Word for solid biblical perspective. Because it's in God's Word that we find comfort and clarity. It's in God's Word that we find direction and perspective because we need it. We're living in the last days. We're living in what the Bible calls the end times. And these are not described as times that will be getting better and better. These aren't described uh, right before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ are not times described as getting better and better, but rather they're described as times of getting worse and worse. And this really, for many of you listening in, this cuts to the heart of your life because there is a sense of wanting to settle into a place of comfort and ease to get to a place where we don't have to worry anymore, we don't have to worry about this bill or get to this place of comfort, and yet the Bible says watch the days in which you live because they're going to be very discomforting. And you know that the natural knee-jerk response when discomfort comes is to, to scramble for comfort, to scramble to control things, but that takes us outside of the will of God. Remember in our time last time, we were introduced to this group of men known as the sons of Issachar. And in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, remember we're studying from the New Living Translation. In 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32, it says, and from the tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders of that tribe and their relatives. And I love this. It says, all these men understood the times and the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. They were uniquely careful in seeing and understanding the times in which they lived and walked. And they responded in wisdom with a response and knew how to lead others. They were able to see what was happening and take the mantle of leadership and help choose the right course in light of the times. I think it's exactly what Jesus expects and expected from those that he taught, from the religious rulers of the day for the people and followers of God, both then and now. Again, let me read to you in Matthew chapter 16, verse 1. So powerful. 
I mentioned it in previous studies, but I want to read it to you. It says, one day the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to test Jesus, demanding that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven in order to prove his authority. And he replied, listen, you know the saying, red sky at night means fair weather tomorrow, and red sky in the morning means foul weather all day. You know how to interpret the weather signs in the sky, but you don't know how to interpret the signs of the times. It was a rebuke. You know how? We just, during our time of worship, we just heard a loud noise on the roof. You guys hear that noise? Did you think people were playing up there? Anybody conclude they were playing football on the roof? Yes or no? Anybody conclude they had a baseball game up there? The Dodgers getting ready for the season? Anybody conclude that? No, no, no. Did anybody conclude anything other than it was raining? So you know how to interpret the sound on the roof. Do you know how to interpret the signs of the times? Are you able to see what's happening and be ready with the right biblical conclusions that will move you into action where God desires you in this culture? We come to the end of Daniel, and we've paused to look at these days. I have a, I have a responsibility, and I feel it more heavier than ever before, to walk you through the Bible and what the Bible has to say in looking in the last days, to give you a desire to know and understand so that the course of your life will be directed in light of the times, and the course of your life will be directed for you and for your family and for your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, for your neighbors and your boss and your co-workers. In Daniel chapter 12, notice verse 9 with me. Daniel chapter 12, verse 9. It said, Go now, Daniel, for what I have said is kept secret and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified and cleansed and refined by these trials, but the wicked will continue in their wickedness, and none of them will understand. But check this out. Only those who are wise will know what it means. And here you and I are walking in the wisdom of God, and only the wise are going to understand those that yield to the wisdom of God, not human wisdom, not, not human understanding, not philosophical conclusions, but what does the Bible say considering the days in which we live? Which brings us to Matthew 24, where we left off last time. Jesus is teaching, and this is known as the Olivet Discourse. He's teaching about the end times, weaving together passages to help his disciples understand what the end will bring. Notice with me where we left off in verse 23. Then if anyone tells you, look, here is the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones, or in the New King James, God's elect. And we looked at last time the distinction between God's elect and to see context is how you will interpret that. So notice he says that even God's chosen ones will be deceived. See, I have warned you about this ahead of time. One of the things you're going to see in the end times is false teaching. There'll be a, fall, a rise of false prophets and false teachers leading up to and even including in the great tribulation period. They will show great signs and wonders in order to deceive. Jot it down in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9. This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power, signs, and miracles. 
Jot it down as a cross-reference, beginning in Revelation chapter 13, verse 11. It talks about lying signs and wonders. How important it is that we know that when you see a miraculous sign, make sure that you, you recognize that it leads you to a true worship of God and not the worship of false teaching, because there is a stream of teaching, false teaching within the church today that actually is looking for miraculous signs. Looking for the, they call it the signs and wonders movement, but it's been called all sorts of things. And not every miraculous sign is always from God. Satan is a deceiver. The devil is a liar and can duplicate signs, even unwisely, as we see back in, beginning in the book of Exodus with Moses and Pharaoh. The signs and wonders and miraculous work of God that exists today has to match with the Word of God. There needs to be the fruit of a ministry and the doctrine. We don't, listen church, you need to understand in the last days, you don't follow signs and wonders. You follow the God of signs and wonders. And God has authoritative, sound doctrine. Doctrine sounds like a heavy word, but it simply means teaching. So when you hear the phrase sound doctrine, you could restate that as right teaching. And because there's some kind of sign or there's, a, there's some kind of popularity that, hey, we've seen this and this is happening over here. Why don't you come to this thing at the Pepsi Center? Come to this thing to our church. Uh, there's a new guy in town. He's going to bring signs and wonders. No, no. What about the doctrine? What do they teach? Because there can be lying signs and wonders. Does what they say line up with the word of God? Then notice he says, verse 26, so if someone tells you, look, the Messiah is out in the desert, don't bother and go to look, or look, he's hiding here, don't believe it. For as the lightning flashes in the east and shines to the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. Just as the gathering of vultures shows that there's a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate the end is near. Interesting. The second coming of Jesus Christ will be visible. Remember in the Olivet Discourse, he has the, he's teaching of things prior to the rapture and also after the rapture to the second coming, and you keep that in order. And prior to the, the second coming will be visible to the eye. Every eye will see, as lightning flashes from the east to the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. Now, it's interesting this phrase, you may or may not know this, but you're going to learn it tonight. Mark that phrase in verse 26, uh, look, he is hiding here. If you ever hear anybody say to you that Messiah has come and he's hiding or he's hidden, don't believe him. And you say, well, why, Ed? Because Jesus said, don't believe them. They're lying. And you go, come on, Ed, would anybody ever say that? Well, it's interesting that the Jehovah Witnesses were predicting that Christ would return in 1917, and that he would return in 1917 and establish his kingdom then. He, they even bought a mansion for him in San Diego to live. And they tried to deed it to Abraham and David because they believed those men would be also returning with Jesus Christ. And you may understand, you may come to know that 1917 has come and gone. And the return of the Lord has not happened. No Jesus, no David, no Abraham. And in order to recover from this obvious false prophecy, 
They said that Jesus returned secretly. How convenient. He returned secretly in a secret chamber. And today, they claim, now they don't make this open claim because they've changed over the years uh, in how they communicate this, but they claim to have Jesus in a little box in their headquarters in New York. And he's ruling now in this blissful world from the box in New York. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, if anyone says that the Messiah has come back privately, don't believe him. Why? Because it says when he comes back, it's going to be very visible. As far as the, the lightning flashes from the east and shines to the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. The coming of Jesus Christ will be visible, physical, and geographical. The coming of Jesus Christ will be visible, physical, and geographical. Just as you can see lightning flash, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Let me give you some scriptures you can write down as cross-references. Acts chapter 1 verse 9, Daniel chapter 7 verse 13, Revelation chapter 1 verse 7. All speaking of a visible, physical, geographical second coming of Jesus Christ that ends the great tribulation period and begins the millennial reign of Christ. Verse 28, I love how the New Living, it's much less confusing in the New Living translation than it is in older translations. But in verse 28, just as the gathering of vultures shows there's a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate that the end is near. So the translators really rearrange this sentence to give you the sense of what it means that, hey, when you see these things, just like the weather, just like when you see vultures swirling around, you know that their carcass is near. When you start seeing these things, be ready. Because the coming of the Lord is at hand. It's interesting that here we are as we find ourselves in a place of great anticipation that there are so many things that are trying to get our eyes off of the coming of the Lord, off of his soon return, which really gets our eyes off of the promises of God. You know, there are times in life when Man, things can be so hard and so challenging and so difficult that you're just breathing in and out the promises of God. You're just trusting in what you remember, what that verse that you memorized, and that's all you have. You don't even have the strength to read. Your eyes are filled with tears. You don't have any, but you have that promise of God, and you're breathing it in and out, and yet the circumstances of life and all that you're experiencing and all that you're feeling and all people's opinions and everything that's coming is get your eyes off the Lord. Get your eyes off the Lord. He doesn't keep his promises. The word of God is not true. And listen, as things are getting worse, we need to find our lives deeply anchored in God's Word. Deeply anchored. Not only reading it, studying it, memorizing it, listening to it, listening to it taught, taking it and telling others, becoming teachers ourselves. And so notice verse 29. Immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then at last, the sign of the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens, and there'll be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth. They'll see the Son of Man coming on clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet, and they'll gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest end of the earth and from heaven." 
So the seven-year Great Tribulation period is over and ends with a series of cataclysmic events. The Bible says that Jesus will put his foot on the Mount of Olives and a great river will develop. And the nation of Israel will be there weeping and mourning and they'll ask about his wounds and it'll be a powerful time as he comes on the clouds of heaven with great glory and then ushers in a millennial reign, a new heaven, a new earth, and ushers in eternity. Notice verse 32. Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. Again, I love this about Jesus before we get to the rest of it. He builds upon the fact that it's like he's saying, you, you can tell about a tree and you know about it. And you know about the weather and you know about it. And you can even see tree birds, uh, vultures flying around and you know why they're there. You know why they're gathered. And then he'll walk, what will Jesus do? He'll walk through and he'll say, you see these flowers? Look how beautiful they are. God, God has closed those flowers just like Solomon. And he talks about, hey, you know the guy that's sowing seed? You know the guy that's watering seed? You, you, he looks out at the people and he says, I want you to see and keep your eyes on the harvest. And he's using things that are very normal and natural in his teaching. He's relating to you and to me in things that would be normal and natural. And that's a great skill to develop when you're talking to people. And it requires a, a great a, a great commitment to listen and learn about someone so that you can connect the gospel to their lives. It's not very difficult just to find out about someone and where they're coming from, what their background is, do a little listening, and then connect the gospel to them. And it's so simple. So he says, you guys know about the fig tree when its branches bud. This is verse 32. Leaves begin to sprout. You know that summer's near. In the same way, when you see all these things, you can know his return is very near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. Learn this parable about the fig tree. You know, in 1948, something remarkable happened. A nation was rebirthed according to the word of God. For almost 2,000 years, this nation was not in existence, and people were scattered. And then suddenly, almost immediately, we find the rebirth of the nation of Israel, just like the Bible predicted. This is where I want you to hold your place. Let's go over to Ezekiel. That's going to be to the left. Ezekiel chapter 37. The nation of Israel was reborn. And it is something that perhaps we take for granted today, but it is a significant biblical prophecy that has been fulfilled. And notice with me in Ezekiel 37, beginning in verse 1. Ezekiel 37, that's back by Daniel, in verse 1. The Lord took a hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become a living people again? Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. And he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says, look. I'm going to put breath into you and make you alive again. I'm going to put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I'll put breath into you and you'll come to life and then you'll know that I am the Lord. 
And so I spoke this message just as he told me, and suddenly, as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley, and the bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. And then I watched muscles and flesh formed over the bones, then skin formed to cover their bodies, and they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the wind, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds and breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. And so I spoke the messages he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies, and they all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. And you go, Ed, what in the world does that have to do with the rebirth of the nation of Israel. I'm glad you asked. We've got one more verse to read, verse 11. And then he said to me, son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. And when that question's asked, and it's been asked by generation after generation after generation, even the generation of 1948, can these bones come to life again? You now get to look back on the other end and say, say it together. Yes, God fulfilled his word and brought the nation of Israel back to life. And you can join us if you want to go on tour. We're hoping that things will work out for 2021. We'll take another group there. You can walk there. You can sleep there. You can eat pizza there. You can enjoy the very land where it is inhabited and the old men and the kids are in the streets according to the word of God. The fig tree in the New Testament and the old represents Israel nationally, historically, and scripturally. So come back in Matthew now to Matthew 24. Once again, another passage uh, that we're talking, this parable of the fig tree, a lot of controversy, a lot of argumentation over it, but consider the fig tree often represents the nation of Israel. And, and he says, I want you to learn a lesson. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer's near. In the same way, when you see these things, when, when you see these things, you can know that his return is very near right at the door. Well, what things is he referring to? He's referring to the life that's coming back, the figs that are being produced. He says, look, the lesson from the fig tree, when its branches are budding and its leaves begin to sprout, you know summer's near. And when the nation sprouts again, you know that the coming of the Lord is at hand. And that's not too many years ago that the nation of Israel rebirthed. Miraculous. Said at one point to be impossible, never to happen again. Isn't that amazing? We're seeing prophecy like this one fulfilled. And there are other amazing prophecies that we'll draw your attention to tomorrow on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is in the midst of a four-part miniseries called Understanding the Times. You can find our studies online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. And they're accessible through our app, too. Do a search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. Here in the month of December, we picked out a timely resource we think you'll enjoy and get a lot out of. It's called The Case for Christmas. So who was in the manger that first Christmas morning? Not everyone agrees on the answer to that. If he was the divine son of God... 
How do you know for sure? Well, Lee Strobel investigates in The Case for Christmas, and we'll send it to you when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more today. Please make your request by phone at 877-30-GRACE. So, Pastor Ed, if someone is wanting to make a year-end donation to help us continue Abounding Grace on this station, what are some ways they could do that? Larry, I'm glad that you asked that question because the end of the year often stirs people up to support nonprofits, support churches, even radio ministries. So if you want to support Abounding Grace, you can go directly to our website, calvaryco.church, calvaryco.church, because all Abounding Grace comes through the church, and you can just hit the donate button, and all of your donations, of course, get you a tax deduction. But far more important than that is your donations, your support truly goes in seeing lives change. Not a day goes by that we don't receive feedback of how God's Word was used in a powerful way to minister to many through the radio ministry of Abounding Grace. So thanks for joining us on the journey, joining us through prayer. Maybe you picked up a book along the way. You're a regular supporter. Uh, We even used to have, and maybe you're still a Grace partner. Well, we love, we, we are so grateful, and we love that you've chosen to partner with us. And may the Lord bless you and encourage you as we look forward to a new year. Thank you in advance for whatever the Lord leads you to do. We'll finish up the year together tomorrow on Abounding Grace as Pastor Ed Taylor again helps us understand the times. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.